It's time for Truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's time for Truth exists to glorify God through the edification of His saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I'm your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I am joined in the studio with my friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. Well, hello once again. Uh, we are uh, back in the studio, uh, having a, a wonderful time together, and uh, we're we're looking forward to this episode of the podcast. We want to thank you for making us once again part of your day, and uh, we would uh, encourage you to share and to let others know if you are being uh, benefited and blessed by this podcast. Uh, we'd be grateful for your uh, sh- spreading the word on that, and so uh, we're just grateful for this platform and the opportunity that we have. Uh, to uh, bring these d- types of, of shows and content to all of you. And so today is a, another one of those exciting days for us because we love these interviews. Now, we know that some of these, we've, we've d- recorded a few more interviews than you've actually had the privilege of listening to. We are going through our series right now on our church distinctives, but we are also doing some of these recordings of interviews from people from our church so that uh, you can get to know them. And uh, we really want to encourage you to take advantage of these and uh, get to know the people that are in our church. You know, so many of these platforms and podcasts are about big names or newsmakers or celebrities, and uh, there's a place for that for sure, and we're grateful for those. But one of the things that sometimes we can miss is the value of the everyday life of the church and the value of those who are close to us. You know, sometimes we think we want to be influenced by um, all those people that are out there, as opposed to really valuing all the people within here, within our own our own church body. And whether you're part of Truth Family Bible Church or not, we believe that you can be benefited by getting to know and hearing the testimonies, uh, the life stories, and and just the personalities even of the people in our church, and. I just told someone the other day, Jim, the idea that we are a family-integrated church. A family-integrated church is a nice thing. It's good that we have our our babies and our children, our little ones with us in church, along with uh, everyone in between and to the other end of our seniors and our in our congregation as well. And it's, I'm glad that we all worship together. But the that's not the primary goal and purpose, I believe, of a family-integrated church and worship, that we do all these things together. Um, the reality is the environment is created so that we are able to take advantage of that to where I would love for um, the different people in our church, as you, especially as you even hear these podcasts, as you learn about and hear the stories and the testimonies of these people, this should stimulate you to say, Wow, that what a great opportunity! Or maybe you hear something that says, "I have something in common here." This should stimulate you to want to get to know these people more, uh, to go out to lunch together, to spend time together, to find ways to serve each other, um, to find ways to even be discipled by or to disciple. And so, uh, the the big idea of the church is that uh, you should be discipling someone younger and less mature than you, and you should be 
discipled by someone older and more mature than you. That's the way it's meant to work, right, Jim? Yeah, totally. I, and I, I think of family integration as the way that people look at that from the outside. It's part of our liturgy, but I look at us as a multi-generational church. I think we are blessed to have lots of young people in their 20s. We've got lots of marriages coming up and babies, people in their 30s and 40s, but we've got lots of people that are in their elderly stages as well. And there's so much wisdom. It's so important that we hear from these people and understand that and their experiences, things they've done well, things they haven't done well. We, we need to take full advantage of that instead of be around a bunch of 30-year-olds hearing and saying what we want to hear to each other instead of learning from everyone's experience. And listen, as you get older, and this is me, um, your mission changes. So your mission, you still have a mission as a man. And, you know, we're going to talk to Danny today and we're going to hear his mission. That's a, that's an important thing that you understand as you transition in life. You know, you can no longer do things physically as you change, but the reality is you still have a mission or else God wouldn't have you here. Well, if we're not careful, we're going to get into our other church distinctive on uh, family integration, but yeah. a wonderful, right? A wonderful uh, introduction. And it just a reminder, it's an encouragement to you that uh, we're not just throwing these out there uh, for no reason. We really think that there's value in this for you to take advantage of as you live in this body and as you get to know one another, as you develop. I hope that in hearing this interview today, you will begin to have a, a greater love for the people in our church and especially today, our guest. So I want to welcome uh, to our studio, but it's actually his studio. Uh, it, it is it is Dan Geib, and I know uh, I get confused sometimes because people will talk about Danny, and I've always known you as Dan, but other people start saying Danny, and then I, I turn around, and turns out they're not talking to me, they're talking to you. So welcome, Danny, Dan, Geib. Thank you. Thank you for being in for the invitation, too, this morning. Absolutely, and it's an easy, it, it, is, is a difficult commute for you today? Oh, terrible. I had to walk down the hallway. <laughs> I know it. I know it. So we are, we're just privileged to, uh, uh, to be welcomed by uh, Dan and Kathy. And so uh, today is just uh, the opportunity that we have to, to interview you and to uh, hear of your story. To start off with, I want to hear a bit about your testimony, your, the story of uh, how the Lord has brought you to where you are today. And uh, let's go way back, you know, because Jim mentioned, you know, we have elderly people. I'm not going to be one, I'm not going to be caught in the crossfire of identifying who the elderly people in our church I are. I stopped at 40s. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but Dan, you, you do have to go back a ways. No, I have to go way back. Okay, yes. so let's go back a, a ways. And uh, uh, where did you uh, where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about uh, your where, where that was, when that was, your, and your family life uh, early on. Okay, we're going to start November 1944. In case you don't count that high, it's 78 years ago that I was born in Hollywood, California. Uh, I was brought into a uh, Catholic family through birth. My father was uh, in his late 50s. My mother was in her early 20s. It was a marriage of convenience, not of love, and uh, brought into the Catholic Church that way. And grew up in the Catholic Church, went to Catholic school, went to Blessed Sacrament in Hollywood, California. Uh, did the thing like uh, Jim will probably talk about later on, that... Uh, I was a good good boy. I followed the Catholic Church. I became an altar boy, became the head altar boy, became the uh, Father Ring, who was the pastor of the church. I was his private altar boy. From there, in uh, 1959, I went to Notre Dame High School into the Valley and uh, went four years at uh, Notre Dame High School. And in 1962, I had the privilege of meeting a family uh, by the name of Peyton, 
And uh, this gentleman had two daughters, and I was lucky enough to be able to date one of his daughters. But they were a Christian family. And uh, in my junior year, they gave us a religious book to study in the New Testament as a reference. So I really didn't know anything about the Bible. I thought whatever the Catholics were teaching me, I was correct. But Sue, the oldest daughter, and I would get into questions back and forth. And uh, things arise, and, uh, and then I went to uh, my religious class, and it is brought up, and I said, I have a question for you. And Brother Bedignus, this is going back in ancient history for me, but he was the religious teacher, and uh, I raised my hand, I asked a question, I said, I have a question for you. According to the New Testament, uh, Jesus Christ had died on the cross for us, for our sins, and I have a question for you. Uh, why do I have to go sit in a little booth and tell a gentleman that's in that booth about my sins when he was born a sinner? Uh, couldn't get an answer out of him. I had a black mark next to my name. Mm. And next week we got to talking about the virgin birth and Mary. And the next thing I knew, I was asking a question again. And I raised my hand and I said, uh, according to the Catholic Church, Mary is placed above Jesus Christ and everything. You see statues of her. You see everything. Why is Mary placed above Jesus Christ if Christ indeed died on the cross for our sins? Um, I was lucky enough to have two black marks. Three black marks, I would have not graduated. So I quit asking questions. <laughs> In the 1962, uh, I was invited to go to a college career seminar in Santa Barbara. The challenge was made, what do you think Christ has done for you? So I, I was given time of my own to sit at a beach and think about it. And I thought, I'm finding a lot of things wrong with the Catholic Church. Mm. So I made a decision to leave the Catholic Church. And I stepped forward that Sunday at uh, Golden West Christian Church where the Paytons were going. And I accepted the Lord there. Mm. This is challenging. I was baptized. Black sheep in the family. I was disowned uh, almost by everybody in the family because you don't do that. Mm. You don't leave the Catholic Church. And uh, I think Jim will attest to that too. Anyway, uh, moving on. I fooled around for a couple of years after uh, graduation, and uh, I received a letter from the, the government that said, the President of the United States welcome you. Well, I went down to the Air Force uh, recruiting office and... Uh, handed him my letter and I said, what do you think? And he says, well, do you want to be a ground pounder or do you want to learn an education? And I said, well, I want to like to have an education. So I joined the Air Force and in 1965, I was shipped down to Lackland Air Force Base and went through basic training. And then I went to a uh, military police training school. So I was in Lackland for over six months. Where's Lackland? Uh, San Antonio, Texas. Okay. After graduation and finishing that, um, I headed back home, and the girl that I thought was my dreams wasn't. So I was talking to a good friend of mine, and uh, he worked for NBC Studios in Burbank, and he says, I got a little girl here you might want to meet. And that's how I met Kathy. <laughs> uh, I was not the dapper Dan that you see walking around in church today. I was a nervous young man. 
we went to lunch and then we went to lunch the next day and uh, 10 months later. She made you a happy man. 57 years. God is God is good. He finds a wife, finds a good thing, and uh, we're certainly grateful that uh, the Lord has brought you together, and then of course brought you to us. Well, <clears throat> let me step back a little bit. We were a happy couple, not real church goers, um, and in 1968, I got the word to go to Vietnam. Test decision. Give me a second, folks. I'm crying here. <laughs> it's all good. That makes that makes two Dannys who uh, do a fair bit of crying <laughs> related to our church, right? Anyway, um, went to Vietnam. Did my job. I was in security and law enforcement, and. Uh, we had one daughter at home when I left, and uh, she was two months old and 14 months old when I got back. Didn't know her very well. Anyway, um, we attended a few churches, but we did not really make a decision for God. I mean, we had made our decision. We knew of him, but didn't know him. And uh, in First James... Excuse me, i got to put my eyes on. In First James it says, But the doer of the word and the hearer only deceives yourself. For if anyone hears the word and is not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. That was me. Well, in 1969 when I got back, we made a decision not to have our children raised in California. And Kathy's family is from Emmett. So we came up and looked at it and loved it and uh, went back and said, Howdy, O's family. If you want to see us, you got to come to Idaho. When we moved here, no job, hmm. uh, didn't have a house. We had an uncle that gave us a room and board for a while. I tried to make on the police departments, but there was no hiring on that time. So I walked into a grocery store and said, uh, I spent four years in the Air Force, and I worked in the grocery business as a kid growing up, and uh, I'd like to find a job. And the guy says, can you start tomorrow morning? So I started with Albertsons uh, in 1969, worked for them for a couple of years, and then uh, I was offered a job with uh, Eddie's Bread, and I became a route salesman for them. In the meantime, we've had uh, another child born to us, our young son, Ryan. And my job as bringing coming up, growing up, was you make sure your family's first. Always make sure you have something for your family. From there, um, I did that for three and a half years, and I had the Emmett. It's amazing. Emmett, Emmett, Emmett. Uh, Emmett was my area, and so was Horseshoe Band. I did that for three and a half years. Then an opportunity came up with the Kimberly-Clark people, which are the Kleenex people. And uh, I was hired by them, and I spent 26 years as their national sales reps in Idaho for the Kleenex people. 
In the meantime, let me step back again. Uh, in the 70s, um, there was a thing going on, late great planet Earth and uh, Time to Run, all those old books and everything. And we had gone to a couple of seminars and we both looked at each other and I made a decision that uh, I was doing it wrong. Uh, we both rededicated our lives to Christ. And here we are today. We uh, love our church. Can't ask for better people. Good leadership. I'm going to tickle Danny's ears here because I'm a Danny. Uh, I can't ask for a better pastor. Thanks, brother. And I uh, appreciate uh, a lot of that background. That's really, it's really helpful. Um, to, to see where the Lord has has brought you and and so you uh, uh, lived in Idaho obviously uh, the, the majority of, of your life and that uh, is where you raised your family and that uh, during that time so you're in the middle of raising your family when that's when you rededicated your life you said to the Lord and is that right that's let's just correct. let's just summarize real quick this is this is why I love these interviews let's just talk about the experiences that we just heard. 1944, World War II is still in full-fledged, guys. The Battle of the Bulge didn't happen until December of 44. So you've got that activity in history that Danny can talk to you about. Um, he talked about his experiences of being suppressed by the Catholic Church. That is, you know, a lot of us have been through things like that. But through that, God continued to relentlessly pursue him, becoming a believer in that college-era time frame immediately going to Vietnam War, something that none of us can relate to. I mean, that is such a foreign concept to most people. And then the 70s, rededicating his life to Christ. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of, of why we have generational experiences. And every one of us should be talking to Dan about what that means, how that shaped his Christian walk, and how that impacts him today. Because we will never have those experiences. We weren't born in that era. I think a remarkable... <clears throat> a remarkable thing for the way that I know I was raised in, in, in the, in the shadow of those times when people like Dan get told, welcome to the military, right? right? When Correct. you get told, when you might have plans and dreams for your life and things you might want to do, or maybe in your case, it was a, a wonderful thing to save you from, as you said, just fooling around, not having a, a direction of li in life. And, uh, and yet the Lord used that, uh, in a remarkable way in your, in your life. And, and, and then just the providential movement of, of God to bring you to a wife of, you said 57 years, yes. uh, and then, uh, and then to, to lead you out of Hollywood, right. Out of, out of Southern California to, to Idaho and, and to begin to raise your family. And, and then God got a hold of you to recognize that, uh, there was some, some needs for you to take him and and his people more seriously and uh and, and so we're 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 certainly grateful for that um one of the things uh, uh we like to bring forward and to talk to people about um especially because i'm i'm also hoping that we have young people listening young men especially and we ask people about their jobs so I, i'm glad that you brought up uh, just a little bit of your work history there too because a lot of young people um wander around and and they don't necessarily have a good idea of what they wanted to do. And I, I'm doubting that you actually grew up dreaming of being a Kleenex salesman, <laughs> uh, right? But at the same time, 
there are the Lord leads us to different places and and different ways of providing for our families. And so you had a, a long career as uh, as a salesperson related to um, really the consumables, uh, related to grocery and uh, associated things. What was that like for you? What was what was that about for you? Did you find um, a a positive, uh, good career for yourself in that type of line of work? You know, I found it that uh, I thought I wanted to become a police officer. Right. God had a better choice for me. I was able to spend more time with my family. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, uh, God gave me that job. I didn't, I wasn't pursuing it because I was happy being a, a bread salesman and making good money for my family, everything. But this opportunity came up. And what's really interesting is that uh, when I was 58 years old, uh, I lost my job. Hmm. Kimberly Clark decided that uh, they didn't need salesmen anymore. They were going to go to brokers. And if anybody knows in the grocery business what a broker is, they're people that handle all forms of food products. When I went to the meeting uh, in Denver, there was three envelopes sitting on the table. One was my uh, separation papers, one was my benefits, and the other one was my health insurance. And uh, they said that uh, these men I've worked with for years, I've known them for a long time. And they said, well, Kimberly Clark doesn't need sales force anymore. I said, okay. And I said, I want to thank you, men, for what you've done for me. And I said, uh, you know, when I leave here, God's got a better place for me to go to because he gave me this job. I caretakered it, and he's got a better place for me. And those two men were shocked because they said, you're the only one out of 40 men that have been here today that didn't swear at us. Hmm. I said, why should I swear at you? I said, if you, you don't seem to understand something. God has a place for everybody. And I thanked him. I walked out, called Kathy and said, keep the money handy. So anyway, I got out and came back and uh, I worked for uh, BSU as a security and for them for a while and also as an usher. And I did that for 36 years, but that was just minuscule money coming in. And then from there, I had a friend of mine that owned a warehouse and said, can you run my warehouse for me? So I became a warehouseman for the grocery industry again. So that must've been where the Lord wanted me. And uh, so I did that for about five, six years. And one day I walked in the house and said, this isn't for me anymore. She said, retire. So I retired. And in, the, in those years that we were doing that, Kathy had her own business here at home and uh, a good business. And we made pretty good money, but she also decided to retire. And we gave the business away to a friend of mine's daughter. And she's running that business now. And it was a gift to them. And so uh, we're quite happy. But the, when you get back to the young people at church, as you know, we uh, say young couples, and we take them out to lunch and get to know them a little better. We've done this for about three or four couples, and we find it delightful because we get to learn the young people, and uh, they become part of our family. And as you both know, Jim Humble, uh, Danny, and, and uh, Jim, they get invited over to our house on the 4th of July 
Yeah, and listen, we opened the house up. Listen to what he said there. They both learn. So you, they're still learning. This is such an important thing that we are continually aspiring to learn and learn more about each other and other people. And, you know, that's such a beautiful thing. And, and there's wisdom in not putting your hope in your job or not putting your hope in your family or not putting your hope in your house. You know, you, your mission is greater than that. And having men understand their mission is greater than the pieces that are associated with it is really critical so that when you do get laid off or when you hit things that are turmoil, you know, you still have a mission, you still have a purpose. So, well, that mutual blessing, right? You, you, you're reaching out to these people and you know that you're gaining so much from that. You said, you know, you get to learn and you get to know them, but there's a, there's a blessing that goes the other way too, because they get to learn and know you and, uh, uh, but yeah, continue. You were going to say something about the way you bring people over to your house on the 4th of July and other other things? Yeah. Our house is open to any time for folks. And uh, you're sitting in my office right now. And you guys approached us about setting up podcast here. And I said, sure. But you got to remember something. My My part of this house is outside in one room, which we're sitting in right now. The rest of the house is operated by my wife. So we had to go to her and say, what do you think? And believe me, she kind of cringed at first, but she accepted it. And we're happy we'd be able to do that. And so I think you guys have been meeting here at our home for, for three weeks. And uh, we love it. I think it's great. And uh, on the 4th of July, anytime. But the 4th of July seems to be the time that we can bring all church members. Or we also bring our neighbors in to get to meet family members. And so uh, we've got, we have neighbors now, majority of our neighbors here have got a Christian background and we had two neighbors move away last year and we were praying about, please Lord, bring Christian families. And they brought us two. They were here and I believe you guys had the opportunity to meet them last year. And so we opened the doors and uh, I give a lot of the young people that we call family members, uh, a matter of fact, Sunday we were kind of giving a hard time to uh, Mark and his wife, and they were standing. She was standing there with uh, Marco and Ashley, and I said, "You know, how come you guys aren't coming to the house? And you know, the doors is open over here. You should come over when the family comes over." And uh, Ashley says, "Well, we've never been invited." I said, "You were family. <laughs> you don't have an invitation. The doors are here. You come on over every time you want to." And that's the way we operate our home because this isn't our home. This is God's home. And we're just caretakers. It is a beautiful picture. When we think of the Gibes, we absolutely think of hospitality. No question. That is a ringing characteristic of you guys and the way that you handle things and the way that you invite people in. The other thing that I think about is your witness. You guys are an amazing witness to not only your extended family, but your neighbors and anyone that you run into. So... I love that about you guys. To me, that is your clear mission from God and what you guys are executing. Well, you took the words out of my mouth. That that was one of the things that I, I know um, has stuck with me is is certainly the 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 care and the burden that you have for lost people and and you you guys are are very prayerful, but but beyond prayerful, you 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 guys desire to speak and to be and to have influence. Um, you know, most of most of your uh, family uh, doesn't know the Lord. Yes. And so I know I've certainly um, 
received a lot of prayer requests, and I know you guys are in prayer for and seeking opportunities to uh, to speak the truth and to share the gospel with uh, with family members. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you said that because you and I have talked about this. Uh, daughter-in-law, who I love dearly, doesn't believe in God. Her son just walked away, but he's got a soft heart. But anyway, what, two months ago, we found out that one of our granddaughters had uh, terminal cancer, supposedly terminal cancer. Yeah, and she, uh, my daughter-in-law, emailed us and said, would you guys pray for your granddaughter? Now, there's a shot in the dark. We immediately... Uh, Put her on the prayer request, but anyway, uh, just the, we were praying for them when we found out that the cancer is not as uh, terminal as we thought it was at first. But uh, it's giving us an opportunity to open up to both. Watch, our son sees what we're doing, and we're praying. He's softening, and to see our daughter-in-law who does not know what God can do for them, she is seeing it through her daughter going through what she is right now. Now I'll take it one step further. And uh, my oldest granddaughter and her husband of 10 years decided they wanted to do redo their vows. And they came to Grandpa and said, uh, what can you, can you do it for us? And I said, well, yes, I can. But uh, I have not talked to them, but I'm going to load, load both barrels up for them um, they are again a family that does not believe that don't walk with the Lord. I'm going to, and I've talked to Danny about this, and he gave me some words of wisdom, and he gave me a, the good vows to give to them. And I'm also going to open up with the Genesis three, and then I'm going to go to Ephesians, and I'm going <laughs> to tell the folks there that who are probably no believers that there's one there's one family member that you need to remember, and that's Christ. He is in charge of everything and that he made man and woman. He didn't make 57 other different organizations that try to tell you that they're not there. Then the other one is about Ephesians is how wives are to be submissive to their husbands. And most men forget the second part of that, which is husband, love your wife as Christ loves the church. And then we're going to do the vows. And uh, I think those vows... Uh, Kathy and I talked over them last night, but I'm going to have to sit down with the kids and say, I'm sorry, I have a mission to do. And my mission is what Christ has told me to do. And uh, I may not be doing their vows for them. So <laughs> they might not accept it, but, not uh, accept it. but you're, you're going to seek to be faithful and, and bear witness of the truth. Yeah. Danny's going to preach. <laughs> yeah. no, don't ever get me into a pulpit that'd be the worst thing in the world you could do and listen if you're sharing god's word it's going yeah, out man yeah so just god god's got a different mission for me i'm not uh i can talk a little bit one-on-one -on -one and things but uh you were going to ask me later on about what i do since i've retired yes i was going to ask you about okay. that okay uh i volunteered up at the idaho veterans cemetery um it's something that really struck me and i went up there and i spent five years giving back to families of members that have passed away as you know most organizations that have government in them you run into problems with people with politics politics stepped in and i stepped away 
From there, uh, I got a contact from the American Legion. They said, uh, hey, look, why don't you join us? So about seven years ago, five to seven years ago, I, I joined them. And to being a doer that I do things, uh, they asked me to be the sergeant of arms. I can do that. What Would you just explain what's a sergeant of arms? What yeah, is, is it's, what you are is, I don't know if you've ever heard the word cooler. Uh, if there's arguments and things like that, you got to step in. My job is to make sure that the commander is in position, gets ready for the meetings that we have. Uh, people start raising their hands and speaking out of turn. It's my job to step in and say, okay, no, you raise your hand, then we'll be ordinance. From there, I was asked to become the uh, honor guard commander. And what the honor guard commander is, is I have a rifle team and we, uh, we do funerals and uh, we do the rifle salute for the families. Now the branch of service will handle the folding of the flags and uh, presenting that. What we do then is uh, we have three brass rounds that are poly highly polished. We take them down to the family and uh, we have a little speech that we give and then we hand those three rounds to the family. And that's what we do. We also do a lot of civic work, I guess you could say. We do a lot of parades, a lot of civic work that way. And our job is to help veterans that may need it. Matter of fact, we're working with one young man right now who has a family member that's going through drug and alcohol abuse in the Missoula, Montana, and we're trying to figure out a way to get that person taken care of. So uh, I don't sit around and watch television and watch old John Wayne movies, although I do every once in a while. Kathy gets a little upset, but uh, <laughs> I'm very, I mean, like I said, well, you guys showed up today. I had 12 phone calls already this morning. And as you were doing your earlier podcast, uh, the phone was ringing and there was another one. So I'm kept busy, which is good. Yeah, it good. keeps me young. And and for you, I, I've gotten a sense too, is in um, hearing from you, getting to know you from the last couple of years. Uh, to you, that's really important to um, treat these service members well, to honor and respect um, their lives and and respect them in their deaths, and to do to do good by them, to give them an honorable um, burial and treatment. Um, maybe is there something that you can add to that? That's certainly something, something I've noticed from, from your, your heart. You really do care for these people. Yes. Well, it's a brotherhood. I took an oath in 1965 and, uh, that oath has never been taken away from me. Mm. Unfortunately, we're... That's a long-term commitment. Yes, it is. And there's a lot of us out there. Like, I'm not the only guy around here that's done that. There's, uh, we have a lot of men that, uh, show up at the Warhawk Museum on the first Tuesday of every month, they have uh, what's called uh, Kilroy's Coffee. And Kilroy came out of World War II. You know, he's the one that has just the face, and you see the nose and the mouth, and his hands are on the fence. And uh, that's Kilroy. And uh, you would be surprised. There's at least three to three to 400 men from World War II on up to the latest wars that come for coffee and donuts. And uh, then they have a speaker. But it's a brotherhood, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful brotherhood. And I'm sorry to say that the majority of our younger men today, they don't have the commitment uh, that we had. 
we went, uh, you know, you got that letter or you went. Mm -hmm. And so today, all being an all-volunteer armed forces, uh, I just wish more young men, if they don't know what they want to do with their life, uh, going to college isn't always the best way because there's a lot of kids out there, they don't know what to do. When they get out of college, they don't know what they're going to do. They're living in mom and dad's basement, playing video games. Mm -hmm. And uh, going in the military, you got branches out there that you can get an education from. Uh, I wasn't college bound, but I did. But I also went through LaSalle University through correspondence courses as a draftsman. I went to Cornell University for salesmanship. So I did that. Then I went to BSU to increase my, I don't have a diploma, but I have like a lot of education. Mm -hmm. And uh, diplomas only tell you that you can stick to it. Well, I'll tell you what, go to the military and they'll teach you the right way to stick to it. Uh, I still press my clothes the same way I was taught. I still fold my clothes the same way I was taught. I do know how to do dishes. I do know how to cook. I know how to clean. And uh, that was all because of what the military, besides my mother, to make sure that uh, I was taught those things. But the military has, there's, it's not for everybody. College isn't for everybody. But the ones that go in the military and they make it through, you can tell they walk tall and they're proud. And, and I think there's th those elements, uh, regardless of whether or not you get it through the military or you get it through other sources, uh, just those elements of of discipline, of respect, of the ability to to make commitments and to keep them, that that type of integrity, um, and and the caring about people and caring about things and um, ideas that are transcendent, that are beyond just you and your own selfish life of entertaining self. Like you said, the 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 me first and forget me too, the me first uh, entertainment uh, idea of just simply um, satisfying some uh, selfish desires related yeah. to just entertainment and those things of being a doer. Um, all those things are, this is what we're talking about, folks. The idea of, of if you're not in the military, then maybe you should talk to Dan and uh, get to know him and to, and to learn about some of the values that he has learned you can learn that from him and you can you can be benefited from uh, getting to know people and and where where the lord has led them and the positive uh, character and development that he's brought them through and way more than that if if you don't know how to make and keep commitments danny remembers his oath from 55 years ago he remembered that oath that he made and it still sits with him in the things that he does and shapes him today and so if you can't show up to church regularly, if you can't show up to Wednesday night Bible studies regularly, if you're inconsistent and want to know how to make and keep commitments, book time with Danny, take him out to lunch, take him out to breakfast and learn from him. I'm blessed to be able to have breakfast with him every Monday with a bunch of older guys. And the stories that we hear are just a blessing. Now we have a lot of fun too, but it, listen, these things are eternal and they impact me and they're important. Well, and that reminds me of the... Of the uh, just a story from our church and the appreciation and the value that they, that the guides have shown for the young people in our church. And um, yeah, they'll hang out with old guys like Jim, but they'll also <laughs> hang out with the, they'll also hang out with the, with the younger people and the younger, younger kids. And, and, uh, and, and so you had some of the young 
um, young men, some teenage boys over to your house to help you with some yard work and getting yeah. ready for the 4th of July, I think it probably was. And, and my son was privileged to be asked to come and help and do some work. And uh, opportunities for work are a wonderful thing and ways to serve. It's just a really good thing. And so he came, they came over, a couple of boys, and uh, did, did some work for you. And then, uh, and then Dan takes him out to lunch. And, and uh, so after my son comes home and I said, hey, hey, how was it? And he goes, yeah, it was fun. Wait, fun? You went over there to work. What are you talking about fun? And uh, he goes, oh, we just enjoyed spending time with Mr. Guy. He, yeah. he, he tells good stories and things like that. Those are the endearing things that, that we want to uh, improve in the life of our church as we, as we understand and get to know and love one another. And to do that across, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're part of our church. Thank you. Um, because uh, I, I'm glad that my son and other sons and people can get to know you guys and to love you. Um, and to be loved by you. And those are those are the things that we really value. So really appreciate that. I'm going to tell a little story about your dad, though. Um, the boys came over, and there was uh, Tim and Luke that came over with a couple of the boys. And we made it a habit that we would pay them a good wage. You know, that's biblical. So I, I went out and I gave, I think we had four of the boys that day and we gave each one of them $20 for the work they did. And my lovely little bride said, that's not enough. <laughs> so I bumped it up and I gave them each $10 more. Now what this happens is that was on a Saturday. And Tim, in his wonderful way, when they got over to grandpa's house because they had to mow the lawn, walks in and says, Grandpa, do you know what Mr. Guy paid me today? So I was on the Mark dirty list for a long time. He says, man, you really put me on the bench here. So, but uh, what I also appreciate is I would say the majority of our children at our church, from the littlest people on up to the, up to the teenage kids, they respect us. And it's Mr. Guy, Mrs. Guy. And I gave your oldest daughter, Danny, permission to call me Mr. Dan. She goes, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and I said, fine, you can call me Mr. Guy then. But I appreciated her. I mean, she was strong enough and forceful enough to know that mom and dad require that. And I thank you for that. But, uh, well, you know, we got she, some she little, better say, you better say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got some little knee knockers running around down there that uh, you don't watch out for them. They'll take you out. But anyway, um, in particular, there's one little guy that that was sitting with his mom and dad. Oh, dad had him in his arms. And uh, I was ushering that day and I walked by and he put his arms up. So I took him and I put him in my arm and I was ushering. And another family says, well, do you babysit while you usher? And I said, sure. Do you want me to take your child too? And I said, we can, I'm a grandpa. I can handle this. I'm, I'm not only a grandpa, I'm a great-grandpa. I have 13 grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And I told my kids to stop because grandpa is not that old. I'm only 78. And usually people that have that many <laughs> great-grandchildren are usually 80s and 90s. So slow down a little bit, kids. And uh, Hopefully that might happen a little, but I doubt it very much. So anyway, <laughs> but I, uh, the children of our church are just wonderful. And I can see that they're grounded well uh, through the families. And we're excited to watch these kids grow. And like you say, we're watching Saturday. We got a wedding to go to. Uh, and then a 
next Saturday, we have another wedding to attend. I mean, we our people are, our little church is growing and we're really excited to watch this. I don't think, Kathy, I may have attended a church to watch this grow. And I see right now that uh, Mark's wife's over there at uh, her, some friend's house that are getting ready to take care of a baby shower that's coming up. So well, we had what, three baby showers this month and three weddings. Weddings Kathy, and babies, and uh, which is a good part of a vibrant um, environment for for the church, as well as just the uh, and again just the 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 overall sense again of of the togetherness that we have the the young people the the growing families um, the the seniors in our church. And that's one of the important things for us is we didn't target anybody. Uh, we're not doing something for a demographic. We're not trying mm-hmm. to be uh, cool. We're not trying to be liked by by a particular group of people. Our desire is to honor and glorify the Lord, to make much of Him, and and to have a high view of worship, uh, a high view of the Scripture, and a high view of God. And so, as we, uh, as the Lord brings folks to us, and we're uh, there's a vibrant uh, life uh, in our, in our body. Uh, we're just really grateful for the opportunity to, um, yeah, to love and to be loved, and that's the that's the really beautiful picture of the life of the church. And he snuck this in without anyone hearing it, but Dan is very active and helpful in ushering, and he's you and I have noticed this, and we've talked about it with the deacons. He does it with excellence. He does it with care. He does it with integrity, and and it matters how he does it. And when you're going to do something, he does it well, and that really matters. That really matters. So it shows through. Well, and and just uh, you brought it up earlier, Jim, and then Dan is il- is the illustration of that. This I- idea of uh, you're retired, quote unquote, from your career, but uh, but you're not retired from life. Uh, you are an active an active man who is who is busy. Uh, you care about people. You desire to be uh, respectful and honoring uh, those who have served in the military. And then you love your church, right? And his family. I mean, and it's his family. just a beautiful picture. Um, so again, there's lots to learn from, and uh, in some ways, uh, in some ways, Dan has a probably a little measure of embarrassment of, of that that he's that he's being praised in some measure. But um, it's because of what the Lord has done in your life and mm-hmm. and how He's working, and He brings us from different circumstances to different circumstances, and in each of that, there's a sanctifying process. And so we're just grateful that uh, God has brought you to our church and, uh, um, and and the way in which you guys participate and serve and love uh, love the people, that you are hospitable. Um, those are wonderful qualities. And so if you have not had the opportunity to know Dan and Kathy, uh, we just want to encourage you to uh, look them up. Uh, you have uh, Clearly, you have an open invitation to their home to uh, stop by, to come by, to make plans, to join them, to... Um, I encourage you to take them out to to eat or whatever it looks like for you. Uh, get to know and to love the body, and uh, that's re- really important. And that's why we want to do these types of interviews. Yeah, totally. The only way you're going to learn about the family members is outside the church. You know, we all look pretty good on Sunday, but when you get away from church, and uh, you know, you have an opportunity to uh, talk not only about the message, but you like to learn about people because they're going to let their hair down a little bit. And I've noticed that in some of the couples that we have taken out, you know, they look at you like, why do you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? But you know what? That gives them an opportunity to get to know who we are and what we say about our church. 
because we got a lot of young couples that are coming in that, that uh, really don't know what's going on. Yeah, but that's our, that's our challenge, and that's what the Lord wants us to do, is make sure that uh, they become part of the family, that they know that they're loved. And uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of churches out there that don't promote that. And I think it's from our leadership more than anything. I'm going to toot you guys' horn a little bit. I think it comes out of the pulpit on on your teaching, Danny, and, and Jim's uh, leadership. Uh, our church is going to grow, and uh, we just... We're just excited to be there because uh, because not only the teaching, but the leadership. And uh, I think we see that Sundays we're starting to grow and, and our numbers are starting to, to show that because the people are, are starting to become very faithful to our church because I think out there people want to learn and grow and know more about the Lord. Uh, like I said when I was reading First James there, that you look in the mirror and you go, you realize that, wait a minute. Am I a doer or am I a listener? Mm, yep. And there for a long time, I was a listener. And it's just through the grace of God that, uh, that that's changed. And uh, Kathy and I pray for you guys all the time and for our church members. And so you would have asked me that about eight, ten years ago, but I said, what? Let alone go on Sunday nights. And if someone was to tell me uh, a couple of years back that, you get it, you get home at nine o'clock at night on Sunday night. It's a year out of your mind, <laughs> but we have such a wonderful time because uh, the people are great, and that's that helps a lot. And that's from our leadership. Again, Danny, thank you much, and Jim, thank you. Well, the Lord's day till midnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll just uh, add that as a plug to our listeners too. If you're not coming on Sunday night, you're missing the guys. <laughs> and, and, and you're missing the rest of us and you're missing the teaching opportunity. And so another uh, great opportunity to just encourage you to, to join us in the opportunities to, uh, to grow and to have relationships and to be taught and, and to love one another. And Sunday night is a great opportunity to do yes. that. And, um, and, and, and just from, you just hear in, in Dan's voice there, it might not have been something that he would have wanted to do before, but the Lord is working and continuing to sanctify him to where Sunday night is an, is a joy, right? It's a, it's an enjoyment, and that's where it, it it's some things. There are responsibilities and commitments and duties, but there's uh, there's are not contradictory to the idea of joy and a love for God's people and His Word, and so we're just grateful for that. Well, we want to go ahead and, and bring that to a close at this point. That's, that's all the time that we have for truth today. But we want to thank you for joining us once again. And until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and your commitment to Christ and His church as we are sanctified in the truth. God's word is truth. <laughs>